electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thank you very much. Welcome, everybody, to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The state of stocks with Jackson Hole looming large and key tech earnings dropping in just a few hours. We get you ahead of all of that with the Investment Committee joining me today from Post 9 New York Stock Exchange. Well, we got Shannon Sakosha here, Jim Labenthal, the Farmer Jim is here, and right here on set, Joe Terranova, and CNBC's Jim Cramer. He is the host of Mad Money, right across the little walkway here at the Stock Exchange. All right, so let's talk about what's happened in the market. We were kind of, you know, not doing too much. We're picking up a little bit now, all leading into what starts tomorrow. Jackson Hole, that's what the whole thing is about. Right. Right? Uh, what, what do you expect is going to happen? All right, so we've traced out this pattern, this little like June 16, which was, of course, that's the top. Doing the same thing. Oil went up a lot. Uh, the tenure went up a lot. But not enough. Not enough to make me feel that we're going to touch the bottom again. And I think people are afraid of being long, being too uh, short going into this meeting. They don't want to go short. You say that because Santoli yesterday was saying that the market was kind of caught in the in-between. Yes. That's basically what you're saying. Yes, exactly. And I don't want to be shorted because because Powell is too measured. I mean, he, look, he's in, Joe, the guy's in Jackson, Saxon, always. I mean, he's not, he's not a block from here. I mean, he's not necessarily fishing with Leesman. I don't know if he's fishing with Leesman. But it's not the place to drop the bomb. You don't drop the bomb at Jackson Hole. You just don't. don't. Hold your thoughts just for one second. Oh, I just want to let everybody know that the uh, what's been rumored is uh, now official. Apple is uh, holding its event September 7th. Uh, that's when they are expected to introduce their latest uh, model of the iPhone. That stock has been really front and center and NFL? of late. NFL? You, yeah, maybe. maybe. Well, wouldn't that be we'll a good day to, to, to get it? So, stocks at 167 and change right now. Typically get a move up you know, in, into events like this. Uh, Steve Kovac is uh, standing by for us on what we really expect to happen on the 7th. It is the iPhone, right? Yeah, Scott, iPhone 14 is what we're expecting to launch. So let me break this down real quick. September 7th, like you said, is the date. And this is going to be an in-person event. It's at the Steve Jobs Theater, where before COVID, traditionally, they've held all their product events. It's moving into their new headquarters in Cupertino. And as far as expectations, we're expecting four models of the iPhone. Let's call them the regular iPhone model, the, the, the iPhone 14. There will be a bit, we're expecting a bigger size for the first time, a max size in addition to the regular standard size. And then those pro models, the two pro models, same sizes, the standard and the max size. And then it sounds like what they're going to do here, Scott, is instead of that big notch in the screen that you see for the facial recognition, they're going to kind of squish those components down into a hole punch uh, in the screen instead. So a little bit more screen space on those pro models is what we're expecting. And on top of that, new Apple watches, which are typical for uh, these iPhone events as well. And that's that's about what we're expecting for this one. Maybe some more stuff later in the fall uh, it, the, it, as far as like augmented reality glasses and virtual reality stuff. Probably not going to happen at this event, Scott. All right. We will see. Uh, Steve Kovac, thank you very much. Yes, sir. I think I'm due for a new iPhone. Uh, Two years uh, past, I think I'm so ready. How about when you ready. put 5G on? I'm ready. Watch, and watch games. I was watching the Phillies last night. This were a little bit bigger. 
I don't know. I mean, difficult for cable to compete against a device like that. How important is the stock right right now to the market, just given sort of where it was, oh, where it got to? Incredibly important. And now it's sort of, you know, it's right on the edge. Get, it's got, at least got to get back to where it was last week. Uh, it, it's on everybody's mind. Now, we talk about, like, Twitter being on your mind. It's small, right? Tesla big. But the fact is, is that Apple can carry a huge number of stocks, a huge number. It's got now we do have tonight's Salesforce. Oh yes, Snowflake uh, and and the whole software group has just been under a lot of pressure for a long time. The biggest one of all, though, tonight we have Nvidia. Nvidia. Now Nvidia is so problematic because one of the great untold theses of this era is that is that personal gaming has slowed to the point that it's now an albatross. I need to see Jensen Wong, who is brilliant, say, look. Gaming is only going to be a small part of our business going forward. We are an enterprise company. If they do that, then the stock takes, even if he says, and there was a, a even since it's lower since I even spoke, lowered the boom. Mm. Oh, I want it. Man, I, I know you've liked you. NVIDIA. He is NVIDIA. I haven't seen, Jim, this sort of sanguine going into a print on NVIDIA as long as I can remember. Well, I, have, I think because he's lowered already. The, expe- the expectations certainly are going to be low. The other part of this that I think is important is the loss of Ethereum demand. You've got to factor that into the equation as well. Ethereum has traded up since it didn't pre-announce. Okay, but the, the demand for the GPUs, because you're seeing the switch in the modeling right. of mining, that's right. about $10 wanted, billion dollars worth of demand right. that's he coming out. He wants to get rid of Ethereum. That, you know, he wants to get rid of the things that it's not really for. Ethereum, okay. okay. Ten new, uh, most, ten last of the, uh, ten biggest purchases of homes in Brooklyn in the last year are all Crypto mining houses. No one knows that. Is that right? Five to ten billion. Crypto mining. Farmer Jim is with us uh, today too. I mentioned Shannon. Uh, I'll get you in just a sec. But Farmer Jim, you just sold, and I have to go to. I have to go to you as exclusively Farmer Jim today because I do have Jim to my left, and I don't want there to be. And the farmer complex is so good. I like the confusion whatsoever. You sold Nvidia what a couple of weeks ago? A couple of weeks ago while you were on vacation. By the way, it's going to get confusing calling me Farmer Jim because you know who's got some mad farmer skills is Jimmy Kramer. Um, and does. we see that on Twitter quite often. Thank you. My wife sauced last night to well into the night. And I, by the but, way, yeah, I am going to bring, I've got sun-dried tomatoes that between sun-dried here, tomatoes. between here and post nine. Oh, we're in post nine. But sun, I, you like sun-dried tomatoes? Oh, the, you, I know it's a little far afield. But it's a all little, natural. A little. little all little, natural. But the fertilizer little stocks. Little prosciutto, mozzarella. Deer, absolutely. Yeah. Deer, the fertilizer stocks, and seeds are my prediction for the best stocks going into the close of the year. Okay. okay. We'll get back all to right. that in a second. Farmer Jim. Okay. NVIDIA. Why, did, why uh, did you sell it two weeks ago while I was, as you said, on vacation? Yeah, two things. I mean, look, I, I had a hard time buying it with the multiple as high as it was. Now, at the time, it was roughly a mid-30s multiple right now. The stock's come down a little bit, but the estimate's with it. And at the time, I said, okay, well, it's not the 60 times multiple that it was a couple of years ago. Um, but ultimately, I'm an old-school investor. I am what I am, right? I look at a semiconductor stock. I see it as mainly cyclical, and I have a hard time at 35 times. But I but I, I bid it. I, you know, I, I bought some of it. When that pre-announcement came in, it was just simply too much. I cannot combine in my head these two disparate concepts of a semiconductor stock at 35 times multiple with as big a pre-announcement as they gave. Now, a lot of times when you sell a stock, you're kind of hoping for it to go down so that maybe you can get back into it. But a lot of my friends, including Jimmy, including Joe, own it right now. 
Um, a lot of my clients said to me, listen, I hear you, but I still want to own a small piece. So I'm hoping it does really well. And the money that I took out of it, I'll find other places with which to put that money and make money. But I just can't hold that multiple and the size of that pre-announcement in my head at the same time. Yeah, Shannon, you don't own it either. Um, you do have chip exposure, of course, just not with NVIDIA. Is it going to be tempting to have an opportunity to get in? Uh, if, in fact, it, it might be a, a negative report, as some are suggesting it could be? Now, I think to Joe's point, Scott, there are a lot of uh, near-term headwinds for this stock. Uh, there's a lot of concern about potential semi um, over oversupply in the market. There are some, uh, we're seeing it, we own EA, we're seeing a downturn in gaming interest as people look outside of the home for different things. Um, and so I think there is going to be a, a number of things that are going to impact the stock. I don't think it's going to get down to a valuation where I would think it would be attractive, kind of sub 30. Uh, but I think that from a, a longer term perspective, really the reset in the business is is what's necessary for, for people to want to maintain their exposure here because we're entering into, I think, a lull in terms of gaming demand. I think there's a, there's been a significant amount of purchasing over the last 24 months, not just in consoles, but also in games themselves. Um, and I think there needs to be a right sizing, a reset um, in expectations for gaming going forward. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, That's for sure. Good now. Really great announcement both. Okay. Great announcement both. And, and uh, I do hope that this isn't like the NVIDIA where they pre-announced a couple of years ago, and then they then had another uh, decline. But Walmart did that, and Walmart came out of it okay. I don't know. I, look, I, I think we talk about a lot. It's a giant company. Uh, but it has been, it's best it in is breed. down huge. It's best in breed. It's down they, huge. They, It's best in breed. They've given us the bad news already. Cloud might just be strong enough, and no one likes it. And this is a market Did that over the Arista summer is trading off of no one likes it. But, you know, Arista made this comment about cloud not doing as well. Uh, well, it was an annual support. I think it's nonsense. I think cloud is doing well. Does, does it, I, I, it, uh, Cisco said it was doing well. Did, Why does did, it, hold on. Does it hold the same importance as it normally would to the, to the market uh, because it's been down so much? So is a little of the pressure taken actually, off? Actually, I think Salesforce is more important, frankly, Dow stock. Uh, software, is, software is anything. It's just a disaster. Uh, and we have Snowflake on tonight, another high moment. Yeah, oh, but, well, you've got Snowflake and Salesforce on, on MAD, which, Thank you. which we'll get to. But Thank you. Joe has been actually looking to get into the queues. So I'm just thinking, if you're looking to get into the queues, you better be paying attention to NVIDIA. Sure, it could have sure. uh, an impact on where the queues trade in the hours and the days after that report is released in overtime. But that's I, that's correct. Microsoft. You, so you I, I've, owned, I've owned Microsoft. No, for, tonight, you know, for this period, right now, <laughs> where you know it's just been, I think it's Jimmy, been paint dry. It's been Williams. Jimmy, I think in the next 10 minutes, Microsoft's going to be okay. In the next 10 minutes, it's going to be okay. Right? Well, okay. But listen, I think Why? what has happened to Scott's Wait, point, Mayfly? what's happened in the market is the work that we have done technically since July 1st has shifted the philosophy to where it's no longer sell the rips, it's buy the dips. I'm still inclined to be a believer the strength of Apple is telling you something. Apple's going to go positive on the year soon enough. It's almost there, okay? Right now, the critical indicator for me to buy those cues, Scott, yes, tonight I'm going to watch what unfolds with NVIDIA, Salesforce. I want to see the three-for-one split get past the distortions of Tesla tomorrow. But oil. I'm watching oil, and I've said, on, I've said on the show for the last month, oil is your hedge 
against things going wrong for equities. What has happened in the last five days? I'm overweight, I'm overweight energy as a hedge. Energy is up 7% right. percent in the last five years. Everything's Gas down. Hold on. my investing. Everything. my newsletter. You're taking the investing club. In Joe T? 8.2. Joe T, investor on your newsletter? No, but I, you copied me. I copied 8.2% in oil as a hit. Now, guess what happened today? Oh, you know how double, everyone's. Double the SP. You know how everyone's talking about the 200 day moving average? Everyone loves the 200 day moving average. Well, guess what oil did this morning at 11 o'clock? Oil went up to the 200 day moving average at 95.33 and failed. Look where oil is right now. Oil's 92.91. Guess what the NASDAQ and the SP has done since yeah. then? It's rallied. Yeah, rallied. Oil is the indicator. But let me right ask now. you this. No, he's but so but he's let, so me right. ask, let me ask you guys, since, we're, since we got talking about uh, tech, whether it was Apple, NVIDIA, Snowflake, Salesforce, uh, et cetera, um, and we started the show by saying, you know, we're kind of caught in between here right. ahead of Powell. Uh, on Friday, Pharma Jim, is is technology the place you really have to, to watch over the next couple of days, the most critical area, the most susceptible, if you will, to a more hawkish Powell speech? I, I think the simple answer is it's 25% of the S&P 500. I mean, it's a huge component, so you have to pay attention to it. I mean, this is the same discussion we always have about Apple or Microsoft and where they go, the markets go, right? They're just such a big part of the markets. Now, of course, there's also the perception that technology is long-duration stocks. Um, I happen to dispute that when we're talking about large-cap tech, which has earnings here and now. So I do think you have to divide tech into large cap growth at a reasonable price, i.e. FANG stocks, and then the hyper growth stocks, which would be the snowflakes of the world as an example, or even a Salesforce. Those are stocks, though, that second category, they're going to get hit quite a bit harder uh, if interest rates go up um, after Chairman Powell speaks. Now, on that note, I will say, and I think this is what Jimmy was saying earlier, or maybe it was you, Scott, like, how much can he say right now? The real question on everybody's mind is whether it's 50 or 70 75 basis points in September, and I think he's going to wait till at least September 13th when he gets the August yeah. CPI before making any decisions. So I just don't expect the fireworks on Friday that maybe the exactly. rest of the markets expect. I don't I mean, know. There are a lot of billionaires in Aspen. If you went to Aspen, he might say something. Shannon, you know, Chris Harvey of Wells Fargo today has a really interesting note. Equities probably find stability post Jackson Hole, uh, is what he says, and then he gives you a final trade of the year. I love this. Away from the short term, we think there is one more major risk trade in 2022, and the catalyst will be in and around conference season, and that's in September. For short-term traders, we would be neutral heading into September, but we would be ready to move in a big way. I'm wondering what you, what you make of that as we sort of go into Jackson Hole, and then we look at what's going to happen on the backside of that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm not looking for fireworks here in Jacksonville. I think that, that Powell's speech is likely to be um, evaluated um, and scrutinized to a level that's probably unnecessary, given the fact that we don't have that number to Jim's point. I do think that we're overlooking, and, and Joe makes some great points uh, recently um, on the election. And so if you're thinking about this sort of post-September rip, um, you have about that four-week period between mid-September and mid-October where you potentially have the opportunity to position not only for expectations of nothing more than the Fed has already uh, 
has already telegraphed in terms of the end of the year rate hikes, but also potentially for coming out of the election, um, regardless yeah. of what the outcome is, and setting yourself up for the end of the year. So between mid-September and mid-October, if you have cash on the sidelines or you're underweight equities, to me, I think you need to be thinking about repositioning. It's where, sector-wise, that you want to go that I think is the big question right now based on economic data in the next four weeks. Let me, let me well, push like back that. on you. For, I really like that. Let me push back on you sure, just for a second. Sure. This notion that um, he's not really going to say much, he can't really say much. I would agree with you on, on all of that and anybody who would suggest that, except for the fact that the market rallied a lot on the perception of what he said, the perception of what he said last time. Now, anything he says is going to be so closely part, uh, um, parsed to, to see if it matches up with the presser or throws water all over it. Exactly. And what I'm hoping he just says is we are going to crush inflation. You can be sure of it. We're not done until the fat lady sings. If he says that, then we all, you know, we kind of schedule the fat lady and we, we all feel better. I'll post the Kashkari. But, like, but if he says crash, that, maybe we'll do that. Hotsius of, of Goldman says we expect him to reiterate the case for slowing the pace of uh, tightening laid out at the press conference. Uh, we continue to expect them to slow the pace of rate hikes to 50 in September and 25 in November, December. Is If he says we, we're going to crush inflation, as you said, does that match up with 50 no. and 25 no, and 25? Because, you know, he's trying to get away, I think, from from saying exactly what he's going to do if the data is hot. And I've got to tell you, like, well, you're on the... You're on the Toll Brothers call, right? And you're looking and saying, oh, good, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, good. But July was great. It's like, oh, no. And you say, oh, well, the car sale, the Mannheim index, the music down, down. No, but there's no cars. I mean, we're not winning. We're winning. We're not even winning. By the way, have you seen the way that metals have gone up? Grains are going up? We're not winning yet. We need him to say, listen, we're in this. We need Belichick, okay? We don't want, um, let's say, a lot of the coaches are pretty smart. Were you were you looking for one who wasn't? Is that where well, you were? I was going to say that you were the going? Giants, but they got that guy from Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> but well, you know, we want Belichick. We want Belichick. The, the challenge, though, uh, also according to Goldman, and I, I'm wondering if you're sort of alluding to this, uh, Joe. Slowing the pace. This is his challenge, Powell. Slowing the pace without easing financial conditions. Well, financial conditions have eased. He doesn't want that to happen. No. He doesn't want to. He doesn't. He's got to really thread a tight needle then. But I think he and the market are both clear that you're getting an additional form of tightening in the increasing of balance sheet tightening. I know, so but you're it getting, hasn't happened, though. But they've been, no, it's, yeah, happening, it's happening September 1st. So it's, it's happening September 1st. So if you think about it, 50 basis point rate hike is really like 75 if you're also now going to double the size of balance sheet tightening. So I think he knows that. I think he has to be careful. I agree with Jim. He has to say we're going to do whatever we can to combat inflation. I think people that are investing thinking there's going to be this pivot, I think I think you're yeah, I disagree with that premise at all completely. But I also think he has to tell markets, listen, 75 basis point hikes at every meeting, that's not normal. Yeah. That's well, not he, normal. If he does that, all bets are off. I got, I got to take a break. No, no, uh, he, I do. All he has to do is say, look, I'm going to be <laughs> tough as nails, and I'm not going to mess around. Now, he's from Washington. He, he likes the, command, the commander, so that's not helpful. Smart guy. But all he has to do is just say, listen, we're, we're not done, and stay tuned, and then we're fine. Right. 
But nobody should say we're done and it's 50 and 25. That's not what he wants. I'm sorry. I know we have a really important commercial. But I am saying (laughs) that this man is smarter than all these people think he is. And I'm tired of them denigrating him. And they know where I live. I am right here. And they should come and denigrate me. And I will answer for him. All right. Up next, our halftime headliner, J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovic, why he is not on board with the Bears. He's going to tell you in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier. Because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion. Helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Everyone is bearish. We are not in that camp. Those words in a new note today from our next guest, J.P. Morgan Chief Global Market Strategist Marco Kalanovic. Welcome. It's good to have you on. You are a tough man to catch up with, so we're certainly <laughs> glad you. to have you on. So Thank you. Ex- expand on that. Everyone's bearish. We're not in that camp. Why? So basically, uh, we don't think uh, global recession will happen. You know, so we think U.S. Uh, consumers should be okay. We expect China to pick up the slack. Europe, we do call for recession, but globally, we don't think sort of we end up with a with a, with a, with a global recession. And if that's the premise, now you need to look at the sort of where's the positioning. And we estimate that equity investors are basically at 10 percentile. So kind of on a scale from zero to 100, they're at 10. You know, so quite a bit of bearish is already priced in. So we're basically saying, like, look, situation in the world is, is difficult, you know, and, 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 and we're definitely not saying that things are rosy, but what's already in the prices is, is, is perhaps actually slightly worse than that, you know. So we think um, if inflation comes down a little bit and Fed doesn't do something completely sort of <laughs> disruptive for the market, you will have some inflows, you know, some from the buybacks, some from some systematic investors, and market can sort of creep, creep higher. So, so that's, that's a view. A key part of of your view centers on inflation. Uh, Not Mm -hmm. a surprise. I'm going to quote from your note. We are again out of consensus and maintain that inflation will resolve on its own as distortions fade and that the Fed has overreacted with 75 basis Mm -hmm. points hike 
This overreaction and subsequent but large unrelated decline in inflation will likely result in a pivot, which is positive for cyclical assets. There are a lot of people who are on the other side of that. So how do you justify that belief? Yeah, so so um, when we say like pivot, we, we don't necessarily think they will now suddenly stop hiking or cut. You know, they, they'll keep on they'll keep on hiking, and 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 the policy will 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 be basically restrictive, and it is it is already restrictive. That said, on the margin, sort of relative where the market is, uh, we think that um, that that um, uh, the shift could be a little bit more sort of market friendly. Uh, in a in a sense, uh, we do still have a September 13 uh, CPI number. And we know sort of gas prices fell a lot uh, in August. Um, you know, some of the food prices, airline tickets, used cars. So there's sort of improvements. And, and we think that the number, the CPI number, September 13, is going to be benign, similar to the number we saw we saw recently in August. You know, and then if you have a two CPI prints, which are showing, you know, two, two data points show a little bit of a trend. And I think Fed should acknowledge it in some way. We, we, again, we're not expecting anything uh, super dovish, but just uh, not to disrupt the market, not to cause the sort of financial financial crisis with some very very hawkish hawkish move. So so again, we think on the margin uh, things mm-hmm. could look a little bit better, but it's it's not a key part of our thesis that we expect some sort of major pivot. Understood. But square something for me. If you do mm-hmm. expect inflation to quote unquote resolve on its own, as mm-hmm. you suggest, and mm-hmm. the Fed too likely pivot as as you write. Uh, why would mm-hmm. I want to stay away from large cap tech, as you suggest? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Why? You know, so 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 um, you know, we like value. We 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 like cyclicals. We like value. We like some uh, sectors. Uh, which I think are um, uh, have a lot of sort of tailwinds uh, going on for them. One one of them is energy. It's actually our key key um, uh, 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 call, highest conviction. Um, it is also a little bit of a hedge, you know, because inflation does come back up. It's going to probably be because of oil and gas, and and uh, and and if we are sort of let's say miss a little bit on that, at least our sector allocation is going to be very pro-cyclical. It's going to benefit from uh, from, um, uh, from 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 inflation, you know, and also valuation argument. You know, when you look at some of the large cap tech, not all of it, but some of it is trading at a multiple, which is not too far from all-time highs, you know, price-wise and multiple-wise. So you're also taking a little bit more risk than by going into stuff which is very expensive. On the other side, if you go, let's say, to energy, which is like a single-digit multiple, you have a quite a bit of a buffer of safety, right? A recession multiple is 12. You know, you have some of the energy stocks trading at a single-digit multiple, most of them for that matter, right? So you, you have a little bit of a buffer. You have a little bit of a hedge. We do think that sort of oil prices will creep up higher after this, this drop. So we are positive on commodities. And that's sort of the allocation then when we prefer. So we would be sort of lowering cyclical energy materials and, and, and underweight on the, on the sort of... Um, okay. Uh, okay, so uh, Marco, mm-hmm. Marco, uh, Jim Cramer, right? Before I say this, I, I am going with Michael Semblis on the big game fishing trip to Panama. So don't take this wrong, because I'm obviously a friend of your colleague. But your exposure to China is, frankly, I, I, I just can't get my arms around it. You're talking about we would use the recent pullback to add further to direct China. Uh, China is maybe, I think, one of the worst places in the world to invest. The communists have played their hand. They've, told, they've showed their hand. You're investing with Mao. 
You're not even investing with Joe and Lai at this point. And I just don't get it. Why do I have to be in China? It's a fair, it's, it's, it's a fair point, Jim. Uh, look, um, people have been investing, you know, China has the sort of same system, same party, same president for the sort of a number of years now, you know, like a year ago, people were fine with it. Uh, now, many people are not fine with it. So, so we're taking a little bit of a view here that the discount is quite significant there. If you look at the sort of uh, Chinese equities, how much they pulled in a year, year and a half, you know, in some cases, some sectors like technology, 70 plus percent, you know, we think there's a lot of it is built, that risk premium is built. The second reason is uh, China had a sort of terrible performance in the in the past year from the perspective of, uh, you know, the COVID reopening, economy, housing. Um, uh, they also had the sort of tightening of policies, regulatory, financial, monetary. And now that's sort of shifting, you know, so you have their monetary easing, you have a fiscal easing, you have this very, very deep discount basically now uh, relative to the U.S. market. So we think it's actually an opportunity to capture that. So, so, so it's, 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 it's a tactical view. Uh, again, uh, not too much has changed in the China, but the pricing has changed quite a lot in the last year. Mm. Your colleague, uh, Jubrovko Lakos, a uh, frequent guest on our program, has a year-end target of 4,800 on the S&P 500. Does that match mm -hmm. with your view? It's a roughly match. We are part of the same team. You know, we, we have been saying that we expect the year to be unchanged. You know, like, so whether that's 47 or 48, it's, it's somewhere there. I also do want to mention our conviction is not the strongest on the S&P level. Uh, it's a bit more on sort of relative value in sectors, but we do think market, market goes higher. You know, we are also open. We highlighted there are certainly risks, you know. So in the, in the Q3, if the earnings do come weaker, you know, we are going to be realistic in sort of adjust the EPS based on what it is, you know. But right now, we think that could be a small adjustment, not, not nothing major, maybe, you know, $5 or $10, you know, like we see potentially as a downside if, if there's a pressure of margins uh, or a strength of a dollar. You know, still, even with that, uh, we would be positive, right, because market, is, market still has, a, has an upside, uh, whether it's 46, 47, or 4,800. Either way, I mean, you've gotten, you know, this rally's been built basically on multiple expansion. You, so you mm -hmm. must think that earnings are going to pick up a, a lot of the slack. Maybe you get some more multiple expansion, but earnings better cooperate or you're not getting anywhere near a stone's throw of 46, 47, 48 or anything. Well, no, you know, I would respectfully disagree. I think the rally was driven by short covering. You know, we had a record, record short position, you know, so the bearish positioning consensus was short as ever we saw, you know, and some of it was not even the sort of were computers, not even uh, human investors, you know, so we have a CTAs covering their shorts. Uh, a lot of hedge funds covered the shorts, so they missed the July rally. So it was really short covering. Not, no one was really getting bullish or, or believing in earnings expansion or, 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 or growth of earnings, you know, like so. Yeah, so that's our view. So we think that some shorts were covered. Uh, basically, people are not long. Nobody's long, as I said, sort of 10 out of 100. Even if you get 25 out of 100, that can get you to 4,600 in our view. All right. We're going to see. Uh, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for making time for us today, Marco. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. That's J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovic. Quick wrap from you. Provocative. Very provocative. He's not afraid to uh, be consensus. No, no, that's, that's, that's for darn sure. When you talk about some of the markets that he wants to be in, yeah. those are really contrary. Contrary and bullish. Out of consensus those is where are, he likes to live. I mean, yeah. he's been, and you know what? He's been steadfast. He, uh, he's been a contrarian to many views over the last, I'd say, four or five months. He hasn't wavered at all, Joe. He, he hasn't, but I, I think the one thing that's puzzling and we keep talking about is, again, the correlation 
to oil prices. We're yeah. using energy as a hedge. I don't see, Scott, how if the price of oil and natural gas spike higher, then equities themselves could move higher because you know at that point the Federal Reserve, that boxed in. Right. And, it, and that's that mid-June situation where you just have to be out. I really don't want that to happen. Mm. I mean, I do think that, that too many things have, have to go right. He has to have things that haven't gone right go right. But I do like the fact that he said, uh, you know, and I think everyone has to pay attention to this, nobody's long. Certainly not. That's true. Interesting. And even if they are, they're not long with any conviction. Trump. Not no. at all. Yeah, you know, it is I, true. I, I you gotta, never come on and have you see a guy just says, listen, you know, I own software as a service, and I own the semiconductors, and I feel great about them. All right. No. That's like, are you kidding me? Speaking of uh, software as a service, Salesforce, Snowflake, they're higher ahead of their earnings in overtime tonight. Jim, Farmer Jim, Jim Kramer, everybody takes their positions. Coming up next on The Half. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Good afternoon, I'm Bertha Coombs, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Valdez's school police chief could become the first officer to lose his job over the bungled response by hundreds of heavily armed law enforcement personnel during the May massacre at Robb Elementary School. The Valdez Consolidated Independent School District is set to make a decision today. The board had postponed considering the issue two times. The murder of Boston mobster James Whitey Bulger in a federal prison back in 2018 was planned, according to the Justice Department. Sean McKinnon, one of the men accused in the killing, told his mother that they were expecting a high-profile inmate before Bulger arrived. Bulger was killed within hours of his arrival. Officials have not revealed a possible motive or said how the suspects knew of Bulger's impending arrival. And a drought has unveiled a discovery in Texas, dinosaur tracks, prints mostly left by the Acrocanthosaurus, a dinosaur that stood 15 feet, weighed seven tons, and roamed the area 113 million years ago. Those prints have emerged in recent weeks as the Paluxy River has dried up almost entirely in most parts of Dinosaur Valley State Park. Scott, I gotta think that's the makings of a new Jurassic Park sequel. Yeah, another one. Right? After, uh, after one just dropped. <laughs> Bertha, thank you, that's Bertha Coombs. All right, shares of Salesforce Snowflake both set to report after the bell today in overtime. All right, now, Farmer Jim, I'm going to you first, okay? Because I need you to square something with me, which I noticed uh, early on from your notes. You own Salesforce, you do, Farmer Jim, and you have no problem with the valuation of Salesforce, but you made a big stink about the valuation of NVIDIA, even though Salesforce's valuation, the multiple is like 4x. I Why one over the other? Off. How do you, what? I saw this coming a mile off. We're just gonna jump yeah, in front good. of you. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you did, I'm glad you did. But in all seriousness, I don't yeah. understand that because you make a big deal okay, about so one, is- but you don't make a big deal about the other. 
Well, we haven't had the big whiff of a pre-announcement from Salesforce. I mean, that's, that's really it. But, but Scott, I mean, look, you, your point is well made. Um, this is not a stock at this multiple that, that can I really... Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> what? Go ahead. This is not a stock that can afford a whiff on earnings. Now, look, it's very much a bellwether for overall corporate expenditures. I mean, there's very few companies in the world that, that don't use it. We use it here at Saturday Partners, and we love it. Um, so it's, it's kind of a referendum on where business activity is. You know I'm positive on business activity. But this is the most expensive stock in my portfolio. There's no question about it. For that reason, it's underweight in my portfolio, what an average size would be. It's about about two percent versus about three and a half percent for the average position. I really hope they don't whiff because that will put me in the position of what I did with Nvidia and having to possibly get out of it. But you know, this is a stock I'm hoping that will outperform and grow into its earnings multiple and let me add to it uh, at reasonable prices. Okay, uh, Shannon, you sold Salesforce a month ago to buy Workday, and then I want Kramer to weigh in on on what he expects, but also this move that you made. Why? Yeah, so this is tough for us. Um, you know, I love the cloud. I, I, I agree with Jim. I mean, we have a significant amount of cloud exposure, um, both uh, direct and indirect in our portfolio. Um, and I really wanted to add Workday based on where it was trading and the opportunity that we think that is there in enterprise resource management. However, if you look at the CRM call tonight, um, over 50% of their, of their customers on the enterprise level use more than one cloud. Um, and customer retention is up over 90%. They're not likely to continue to grow revenue at 20% um, forever, but this is a bellwether in the cloud space. And I think that if you look at the way that this company has managed to put its chassis into so many different businesses, I'm looking at this call as being possibly the one, the, one of the most important of this earnings season for us to either learn more about enterprise spending or to see a true decline in enterprise spending, which is not what we're anticipating um, happening. So we think hardware spending and staff spending is going down from an IT perspective. We think that's all going to go to cloud over the next couple of years. And so I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't go back into this name. I still think it's a good company. But just for us, portfolio construction-wise, we had to make that switch. I hope hey, quick, all quick note, and I'm sorry to break in, but you know, Cisco gave us a pretty good read last week into enterprise spending. Another one of these companies that, for better or worse, just said, "Look, we don't see the recession. We see enterprise they, spending they, they, very they, healthy." They ignored it. The market ignored it, as if Chuck Robbins didn't even exist, as he was just some sort of like, you know, a, 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 an automaton. Why did they ignore it? Why did they not sense that this man actually has a great grip of things? Because it's not on vogue to be bullish and optimistic about the economy, there Jimmy. You go. You're right. Chuck Robbins happens to be a happy person. Now, I got to tell you, here's two numbers you want to know. The dollar? You read the dollar number? The 311 <laughs> okay. and 307. Salesforce was 311. Now it's at 179. Workday is 307. Now it's at 160. I mean, is it time to get bearish? Is now the time? Let me. Now is not the Now's time, right? Now is the time to get bearish. Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean Benioff has already told you that FX was an issue, right? We know that. He's got great orders. So you're saying that both stocks are a buy today? No, I, I'm saying that they can't be a buy because there's this percentage of people who, when they read the headline and don't listen to the cops call, they come in with Gatling gum. And they don't bother to listen. So someone's going to say, why did Kramer say buy this? It was down 10% within the first five minutes. And then you actually listen to the conference call. Joe, you know this. We've seen this time and again. There's these people, these quick draw McGraws, and they think they're smart. Not only that, when the, when the stock goes up after that, they say, uh, that's wrong. Home Depot. 
Home Depot had a really nice rally after his stock was like, oh, bad number. Wait, I think sometimes what happens is people are hoping that we'll say bad number because we saw the stock down. I will not play that game. Dangerous to play, play that, that game, game in this kind of market, too. I, I, li- I, like, I like Salesforce uh, in the Joe T ETF that we have ServiceNow. ServiceNow more There's so much and he's but, killing it McDermott. and it's it his services are more defensive in their nature if we're going to see a contraction in it so spending so i do got to go i just want to highlight once again uh, you got a couple you got a couple of pro bowlers on we got to take breaks the football game they take a commercial right we're taking a commercial you have slootman and benioff tonight okay they like never take commercials it's a great sport to watch all right when we come back more trades from the committee plus santoli's midday word we'll be right back All right, welcome back. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli with his midday word from here at Post 9. What are you focused on you here? Know, uh, you know, we're talking some New York Stock Exchange history here. They used to close on Wednesdays for like six months in 1968 to catch up on paperwork. I'm not saying that would be good today, <laughs> but the market is, I think, idling for good reason. A uh, couple of observations past couple of days. No downside follow-through for the majority of stocks the last couple of days. Today, actually, Brett, is, is pretty good. Uh, everybody focused for good reason on Jackson Hole. Uh, I think that in most cases, in this one too, the market... What they really want is for it to be through and done and for it to be no real surprises out of left field. I don't think there's a tremendous disconnect between the markets and the sort of party line that Fed officials have been conveying, especially now that next year they're not showing any kind of big turnabout with cuts. So all that stuff, I think, is he wants you you wanted to say there's been some progress. Housing is cracked. You know, we've done what we meant to do in some respects, and maybe we're closer to the end than the beginning. And I do think that it's good that we have a little bit of skepticism to lean back on. I've been talking to you about that, Scott, this week, that um, while the low looked pretty impressive, I don't think that everybody has been very willing to give it the credit for being so. Too afraid to do so. What do you think? First, I want to say, when you're on, we turn, them, we turn it up loud. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You are so unbelievably good. I mean, it is just incredible. Your insights are amazing. I'm not an S&P guy. But I need to stay in touch with the quarter <laughs> average, and you always do it. Thank you. This notion of the low that you brought up, I think, is seminal. People keep saying they are ignoring the fact that we had a total pain low, and you're not. And that's because your work, which is so rigorous and solid, makes me think that may not be Well, breached. trying to see both sides of it, of course, and I understand why people are a little bit hesitant to say that uh, – All's well and up and away from here, uh, but I, you know, you have to pay attention to some of the, the stats that came yeah. out of it, you know, and just and just sort of the the way uh, that that shakes out historically has been not something to dismiss. Let's put just it that way. Give me my top of my show. Thank you very much. I'll <laughs> All right. you know. I'm gonna I'll see him right before the top of your show because yes. I'll see you in about four right. hours yep. for the last word. That's Mike Santoli. Tesla is higher. It gets set now for its three for one split after the close today. We're gonna talk about that and the EV market next. Tesla to split the, the stock three for one after the bell uh, today. The last stock split two years ago in August. Uh, Joe, you own it in the Joe T in the mm-hmm. ETF. Yep, we've owned it for quite some time. I think the split will work well for for Tesla. Um, it's it's become a core holding. Okay, I think it's true. I think that everyone on, on Mad Money who calls in want that EV or this stuff that's losing money. Just don't test. You own, if you like EVs, you own Tesla over a, a GM yes. or a Ford. You love, love don't you still love, I love Ford? Ford? Jim Farley's making that transition, and he's not getting any credit for it, credit for it. Adam Jonas, I don't know what 
whether he's confusing Jim Farley with the late comedian. That must be his Jim Farley's cousin. But I've had it with, with Adam Jones. I've had it with him. You have? Yeah, I've had him with his negativity with Ford. Wow. Now, the guy likes to write every day. He's got a kind of a, I don't know, like a dusty FT complex. But, and, and he's a very nice person. But if he says one more bad word about Ford, I know where he lives. I know where their tower is. Wow. Jonas, take notice. Yeah. Second derivative on okay. semi on EVs. Farmer Jim, uh, GM over Tesla, obviously. But for you, why? Yeah, I hate to Don't tell me myself. valuation. I, give me more than valuation, too, because I, I, I need more than that. That's I'll too easy. I'll give you a lot more than that. I'm glad you asked. Um, how about the cruise division number one, which isn't so much the monetization of the robo-taxis out in San Francisco. It's the technology that permeates all of their cars. And Tesla, frankly, has had a hard time getting full self-driving mode out there. Uh, then there's all the other sort of ancillary businesses like Bright Drop, the vans that they're working on. I believe it's with FedEx, uh, uh, that they've got an order from FedEx. Uh, then there's also just the fact that, in general, you look at General Motors at six times earnings there's so much pent-up demand look i just had to buy a car from them this weekend there were no there were no incentives from the manufacturer there was no thanks for talking about us on air there was here's the manufacturer's suggested retail <laughs> price pay it and shut up okay did they say shut up they probably no, 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 test drove a hummer i mean more no, no woman has ever been glared at more and smiled and given thumbs up to my wife when she was doing an electric Hummer. Shannon, by the way, I got your I notes are interesting. Fair. I got to be fair to my guys, Jared and Tori at GM. At Tori at GM, they take good care of me. Okay, great. Uh, Shannon, <laughs> the EV market is not fair. The market is giving Tesla a pass. Those are the words you told our producers today. <laughs> Expand, please. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, Tesla's a, a tech company, and uh, Ford and GM need to make money on making these cars. I just, I, I think that it's an apples to oranges comparison. I think if you want to be in the EV space um, and you're looking primarily just at EVs, I think Tesla's your your choice. And you know, if you want to be buying a car manufacturer, then you make your choice between Ford and GM, just like um, just like Jim said. But I, I continue to think of this as they're being put into two different camps. The expectations are completely different in terms of profitability um, and management acumen. And so I think that this is a this is a, a comparison that probably at least for the next several years is probably inaccurate. Okay, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do final trades to wrap it up. Over time, three hours from now, we got a big show. Josh Brown's going to be with us, and we have the biggest night of earnings, really, since the big tech Super Bowl week. You've got NVIDIA, as we said. You've got Salesforce and Snowflake. I know you don't want to miss any of that, and I hope you'll join me at 4 o'clock Eastern time in OT. All right, let's do final trades. Uh, Jim Labenthal, Farmer Jim, uh, you left out your deli guy, dry cleaner, the pool guy, any other shout-outs you need to give before we get out of here with your final trade? Yeah, I left out Libby at GM as well. Thank you for that opportunity oh, to right. square things right. away. Good, good um, stuff. Just making sure you shouted out everybody that you needed to in your personal life. What's your final trade? John Deere. John Deere had a bad earnings report on Friday, and it sailed right through it. you got to respect that. Great. Okay. Uh, Joe T. Mosaic. Yes. All right. Look, we got Costco because both you and Shannon have... Costco, we got really? 20, 20 seconds left. I must, Mosaic can do this. That's my bull market. Ag. But Costco, always retailers, no idea what they're doing. Costco. Do you have any inventory problem? No. Shan, why do you choose it? 
Um, limited SKUs and people mm -hmm. go there for a million different reasons. And so okay. good profitability. Don't forget. I have a great cashier at Costco, my shout out. Oh, yeah. You could shout out Benny Off and Sloopman. They're with Jim tonight and Mad. Uh, the exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 